0: Welcome to Mobile Armor Radio, the podcast for all things Mecha. And welcome to a special episode of Mobile Armor Radio. This is going to be uh, twenty-seven point five. I think that's where we're at. I don't, I never remember what number one. And uh, I'm Rob, and I got uh, Pat with me. I do. And we have a special guest. We have Brian Young on tonight. Well, oh, thanks for having me. And you're uh you're right up our alley because you're you're not only in one one foot's in uh Robotech but you also got a foot in battletech so you're you're all about what we talk about so we're excited to be talking to you tonight uh, i mean I'm excited to talk
1: about these things. I really love Robotech and battletech and uh the only thing I'm more excited about than talking about it is writing it so <laughs> <laughs> cool.
0: Yep. So you've uh, you were involved with the uh, the Robotech RPG, the newest one coming out, and you've also recently wrote a book for BattleTech, uh, Honors Gauntlet, which is a great book. And yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah. how how uh, how'd you get involved with both of those things right off the bat? <laughs>
1: um, getting involved with both of them, uh, it really had to do with just my writing. I've been doing a lot of writing and playing in a lot of sandboxes um i write about star wars a lot actually um so like uh, for the sci-fi channel and for slash film and for star wars.com and star wars insider and so i kind of had a track record with sci-fi and um i was doing a lot of conventions actually as a writer with with that stuff but also with my own writing um i'd put out four novels and a nonfiction book and um, just kind of met the right people and um, Robotech. Well, that's not necessarily BattleTech. Sort of happened first, but then Robotech actually came out first. Mm. Um, BattleTech. I was doing conventions with John Helfers, the editor, the the fiction editor for BattleTech and Shadowrun, and oh. I had approached him a few years ago and said, "Hey, I really love Shadowrun. Can I write some Shadowrun?" And he said you know, uh, I'm really in need of Battletech writers. Would you be interested in diving into that universe instead? And my exposure to Battletech to that point had just been like, when I was a kid, I played the SNES MechWarrior game <laughs> like to death. In fact, as soon as he said, yeah, can you come back? That was the first thing I did. I pulled that game back out and my old Super Nintendo and played the hell out of it all over again. And I'd, I'd done some other stuff, too, and, and I ended up playing some of the tabletop and, and reading a ton of the books to get sort of into the universe. And um, I'm friends with Mike Stackpole, and he kind of <laughs> nudged me toward it and helped guide me through which books I needed to read to catch up really quickly. And Mike um, Stackpole, huh? Yeah, yeah, Mike, yeah. If anybody's
0: going to know about uh, what to read, it would be him, I guess.
2: <laughs> well,
1: and mainly he was like, uh, you know, my books are probably the ones you need to read. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Makes sense. So, so while I was doing that with BattleTech, um, I got a call from a friend who who knew I was super into Robotech and said, "Hey, this new company grabbed the license for Robotech." board games and they wanted to know if like they'd be able to talk to you and take a look at the game and so this was their attack the attack the sdf1 game
0: mm-hmm.
1: and We're i well aware of that one
0: pat and i've played that a few times
1: yeah so the guys behind that had done that so i'd built a relationship with them kind of helping them out with some robotech stuff and when they the rpg license came up they came to me and said hey we know you're a writer we know you're into this stuff do you think you'd be able to write a whole bunch of fiction for the universe like the scenarios and and character bios and and handle all that kind of stuff for the RPG so we can focus on all the mechanics? And that that is what I did. Um I you know, so I spent a long time reading BattleTech, you know, in the mornings and then watching Robotech <laughs> in the evenings. And no, what it's such a
2: hard life, right? Yeah, I know right. <laughs>
1: well, and I was working on some Star Wars stuff too that that I can't quite talk about but Mm. but it was like Star Wars Robotech and Battletech all I was doing some some stuff professionally for all three at once and I was like (laughs) I need to pinch like 15 year old me Um, (laughs) but so I got the Robotech book out and done and then um, with Battletech I pitched a whole bunch of books and they're like oh we like this one and this one and we're going to move forward on that. And then just as we were going to move forward, they were like, no, 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 we're doing something else. So so mm-hmm. this was the coming of the ill clan era. Mm-hmm. So everything that we'd been working on kind of got put on hold until they had this big story summit. And they kind of changed the landscape of what's going to happen in the future of Battletech. And I wasn't able to be there, but but Mike Stackpole was. So Mike Stackpole uh, made sure that that I got kind of got a few different spots on the schedule. And the first one was Honor's Gauntlet. So... Nice. Um, it was my, I had no intention, there was no intention in my schedule of writing anything clan-based. <laughs> I was working in some other areas of the universe, and so I had to really quickly get up to snuff on all the clan stuff outside of the Kerensky stuff that's, that Mike had written, um, which was my biggest exposure to clans. So And then all of my exposure to clans was in the Wolves, because that's what Mike likes, <laughs> and... Uh, I had to get up to speed on the Jade Falcons to write the book. And so Robotech came out. Um, well, actually, so it was like I turned in my first draft of the book in November last year. And Robotech came out in December of last year. And then through all the revisions and fact check, uh, Honors Gauntlet was finally able to come out last month. So they take that stuff seriously.
0: Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, cuz I'm sure if if there was any little thing wrong, there would be somebody complaining about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I I I can totally see that and it's I think that's one of the challenges of BattleTech in general is that you have when you step in it's like okay, you've got literally, you know, a, a thousand plus years of alternate history to learn. Yeah. It's like Getting dropped into an alien world and saying, okay, here's a (laughs) thousand years of history. And, you know, it it starts in our past with the, um, (laughs) you know, with the the technology to travel to other planets. And then it slowly spins out from there. And then you've got all the different eras. And it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot to wrap your head around and to try to make it, um, yeah, I hope Honors Gauntlet. I really tried to, to make it so that a new reader could come in and go like, yeah. oh, I can get all of what's going on here with, with the context and include enough of that. And there were some books that I'd read for Battletech where it was like, I don't think they they did I told Mike no, this, yeah, actually. For sure. So the first books Mike told me to read were the blood of Kerensky, like that <laughs> whole heritage arc and stuff. And I started reading it, and I'm like, none of this makes any sense. Yeah, because you don't How have do the I,
0: backstory for it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I went back. I went back and started with like the Bill the Bill Keith stuff with um, the the Gray Death Legion, mm-hmm. and started there. That was a really great introduction into the universe. And and so as I was taking notes and reading BattleTech books in all of my research, it was really how can I make this accessible to people who either have never read a BattleTech book or have fallen out of the fiction for a long time and want to get back in and know kind of what's going on.
0: Yeah, and the beauty of that book, it takes place in 3150, I believe, so it's like 100 years after the heyday of Battletech, say, in third, the original clan invasion. So, it's past all the, uh, jihad, uh, past, like, it's the end of the Dark Ages, pretty much, so you're almost in a new era right there, so it's, it's good to fresh start there anyways. It's, it's, it's almost yeah. so far removed from everything else. You do have to have a slight, no, I think at the very beginning of the book, you do have, like, a little bit of a history thing at the very beginning explaining yeah. where we are at this point. And that's that's all you really need like yeah i I haven't read anything since like I think I'm at thirty fifty nine is the last book I read, so i I caught right in right a hundred years after I've been reading and i I understood what was going on, at least the grand scheme of everything.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it was kind of hard. I mean, most of the Dark Age books are out of print, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And so like all the ones I had to get for research, like I know Catalyst gave me some PDFs of some of them, but all the ones I wanted to read for research for uh, for this and and just for everything in the era to try to get a handle on Dark Age, it's all just out of print. So it's hard to get a hold of. So that was part of my interest in um, trying to bring people in and, and set the scene in that way.
0: Yeah I, yeah, I definitely didn't feel lost in it. Like I said, it was an era I'd never read before. So I think you succeeded well, there good. for sure. I'm
1: so glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and, uh, yeah, did, so did you choose the Jade Falcons or was that chosen for you? <laughs> um, so that was
1: chosen for me. I was, um, like I'll tell you this story, like it was, uh, right after, right after Mike Stackpole had gone to that, that story summit, he called me up and he's like, Hey, we've got, we've got, uh, this, this, this book lined up for you and you're going to be writing it and it's going to come out pretty quickly. And the timelines (laughs) got shifted around and stuff, but he's like, okay, all we know about what you need to do is we need to set up the Jade Falcons are stripping worlds and heading to, to, you know, heading into the big battle. I don't know how much, yeah, I I, I wouldn't spoil the end. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Uh, you know, they're, they're stripping worlds and heading to the big battle. And so that's what we, that's what you've got to do. And you've got to work with the Jade Falcons. And Mm -hmm. I read some Jade Falcon stuff with Malvina and, and kind of how that worked. And so, um, Stackpole and I just kind of spitballed the story out. And, um, everything, like, that was literally all the direction I had was that it was Jade Falcons and they were stripping planets heading to Terra. I said that anyway.
0: And it, the best part is that, uh, you could have had it just where you'd hate them and cause they are doing something pretty yeah. heinous, <laughs> but you were able to find with a character that was, you liked them and you liked everybody he, around him too. It wasn't just him. He, all the troops he, that that he commanded too were good people too, which I liked a lot. It wasn't just one single person. I think that was a, it was a neat trick. Like it was somehow okay. you made me like a Jade Falcon unit. So that was pretty good. <laughs> that was, that was one of the things like I'd read
1: Blaine Pardo's splinter of hope about stephanie chistu and Mm -hmm. her her sort of struggle with um malvina hazen and how there were falcons out there that just hadn't adopted that scorched earth like no holds barred we're gonna kill civilians no matter what indiscriminately if that's gonna meet our goals and we're gonna make sure that anybody who opposes us is going to feel our wrath and i mean just from a, a a logical standpoint i when i started trying to dive into the jade falcon psyche it just
0: doesn't make sense it's not sustainable yeah it's it almost is insane like the the leaders are really insane and then there's people underneath them going like this is insane (laughs) but we have to follow orders
1: (laughs) yeah and so the only thing that 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 clanners which i mean clan society is they're all psychopaths (laughs) Um, but clan society like in order for them to survive they have to have people under them going like Yeah, I know that those are the orders, but like if we burn this planet to the ground, (laughs) we're not going
0: to have anything. Yeah, it's not actually helping us in any way.
1: Yeah. So it's sort of like and and I think you find that in in military situations like that, especially military sci fi um, that that. That that sort of thing happens where they get their orders and they interpret them creatively in order to actually better fulfill the objectives that Mm -hmm. the people who are giving them the orders don't see. And I think in an age like the dark age where the hyperpulse generators are out, have gone dark and communications a lot harder, I think a lot more units are going to have to be creatively interpreting their orders because the information is just not – accessible about what the situation on the ground is. I I kind of went back and started thinking about like what it would be like for King George to be orchestrating the revolutionary war where it's like a month voyage or longer yeah. to get that information across and it, you know it's it's interesting that like um the um the planet that it happens on uh Saguenus, uh has like a like almost a month long like turnover between the jump point and the actual planet Mm -hmm. so um it it kind of fit in a lot of ways in my head about how information traveled in war like that and how orders didn't always make sense
0: and how they also they really they they saw that archer was doing well but maybe not doing what they wanted so they actually sent somebody to keep an eye on him and it's like no he's actually doing well like you should have just let him do his job
1: (laughs) yeah no he he would have he would have done fine, but I really think that that Malthus kind of putting her her nose in that is what caused all of the problems. Oh yeah,
0: hundred percent. They I'm would sure. have
1: they would have gotten what they needed had they not tried to tighten their fist.
0: Yeah, but I think it seems to me when you're writing it, they did it on purpose though to kind of provoke him, like trying to make him more like them, right? Yeah, no. There's definitely there. There were some stories like like
1: that Splinter of Hope story that I I um, read is that Malvina had been trying to provoke Chistu into adhering to the Mongol, Mongol doctrine, and Chistu was able to thread the needle very well. Where it's like I'll follow your orders to a point, and and I think one of the things I like about Archer is that. Uh, he gets to the point where it's just like, orders be damned, like, this, this doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, he's all about honor, which is great for, well, hence the name of the uh, the book. Yeah. But, yeah. But how, and do, I did.
1: How, like, how do you interpret completely ridiculous orders
0: <laughs> and still meet your, your mission objectives? Especially like, in the clan, where they're bred to just listen to their commanders. Like, that's their whole thing. Like, you're not supposed to ask questions.
1: Well, or you're just supposed to go to a trial. Right. Yeah. Just like, oh yeah. Hey, that's I right. I don't want to fight for to you. it. I'm just going to go fight for it.
0: Yeah. And
1: how do you do that so far removed?
0: Yeah. And uh, yeah, I did like hit his uh, second command. The, the two uh, ladies there were, they, they had like different parts of his conscience and they were, it was really fun to, to play off each other. And it was a great cast. I think, I think he did really well that oh, way.
1: Thank you. It was, it was liberating on one end where I got, got to create my cast Completely like and and in fact early drafts of the book didn't even have Malvina in it. Um and it was just one hundred percent a cast I created, and that was just because I didn't want to get into continuity issues with anybody else
2: mm-hmm.
1: or anywhere else. Um just in case it would make things a headache later for fact check. <laughs> but uh when we got to the rewrites we decided like yeah i think malvina needs a presence here especially with what's coming up yeah tie it in a bit more
0: yeah yeah it was uh, i think that was uh, really well done I, I anybody should be reading that book obviously if you want to know what's going on with this new era you're going to have to start reading all these books so i'm going to have to catch yeah. up I, i'm uh, i'm behind this is uh, like i said the first one i've read in this era so i'm excited well, to read more
1: I was really excited they gave me the book that, that is sort of I think the prologue to the Ilk Clan era. yeah um, and I think that that's really th- the best way to look at, at Honor's Gauntlet is this is this is this is the beginning of the next era, even though it still says, you know even though it still has the Dark Age emblem on the book, this is this is the first step
0: uh, toward the Ilk Clan era. yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, Pat, you could talk more of this about the Robotech book, but uh, I, I, like you said, you got involved with that, but how was that going through, trying to once again, interpreting all this information into... Well, so, well uh, it
2: sounds like you started way in the beginning, of because you started with uh, Attack on SDF1, which yeah. ironically is the, the game that when Palladium lost the license is when we started seeing all this re-emergence of Robotech, uh, especially at Gen Con,
0: uh, yeah.
2: when me and Rob and attacking SDF one
1: was one of the first things we saw. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, all I did with that was just sort of playtesting and telling them, like, like giving them some pointers about, like, hey, Robotech flavor. Like, like here's kind of how it works in the universe. Here's some things you might want to think about with some of the characters or whatever. It wasn't a whole lot, but I think it was enough for uh, Jeff and and the guys over at Strange Machine Games to say, like, oh, this guy knows his Robotech. And um, we'd met at. Uh, origins game fair and at gen con and they were like okay i think i think we could we could work together and it was it was a lot of fun um but yeah i mean it was i didn't do a whole lot for attack of the sdf1 other than just looking how pretty it is yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah. i mean it, it's a good game we played it a couple times and the scenarios are very story driven also so then it sounds like uh your next step was into the the role-playing game when they got that license correct
1: yeah, yeah. So that was they. They called me over to do that, and and I don't know. Maybe maybe my background in Star Wars and stuff maybe lent lent some credibility to it. But um, getting into that, I really love Robotech. Um, like really, like I tell you how much I love Robotech, and then I'll say, um, my middle child's middle name is Miriam. <laughs> nice. Uh, so like <laughs> like that's and and they're. 17 now, so like I've been into Robotech for a long time. Um,
2: was, and, it, was, was Robotech your first uh, step into, I guess, the mecha world?
1: Um, you know, it must have been. Like, Robotech is one of those things like Star Wars that feels like it's just always been yeah. imprinted in my <laughs> brain. Um, it, it might have been my first, like, Japanese cartoon in some ways, too. I mean, I know that there's some debate about, like, whether or not Robotech counts as a Japanese cartoon because the mm-hmm. whole.
0: The Macross thing, yeah, how Harmony Gold redid that. stuff. But it was but, definitely my introduction too for the, that whole idea of anime, for sure.
1: Yeah, and and so that was that was probably one of my first steps. Like I remember watching it like when I was like six or seven on TV, mm-hmm. and it was just always there. And then and then tracking down VHS tapes at Blockbusters in the nineties to try to <laughs> rewatch it. And then oh. when the oh, no yeah, I know. Well, it's I can't even believe. Like my kids have no concept of how hard it was to track stuff like that down. Like, <laughs> yeah, um, I was showing them Ronmo One Half, and I was like, "Man, when I was your age, I had to go from Blockbuster to Blockbuster and <laughs> wait for these to come out and rent them because there wasn't anywhere to buy them around here. It, it was yeah. just it was insane. Well, you find that
2: you find that random mom and pop store that had a decent anime collection. Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, and then. I really fell in love with Robotech again in the early two thousands when the DVDs started coming out, um, again. And that's around the time when my kid was born and I was kind of into it all over again. And so it's just always been floating around in my head and I never thought I'd get to, um, write in the universe. And I, it's funny in my star Wars work, my travels had brought me across, uh, Jim Luceno, I don't know if you, if, if you guys are familiar with Jim Luceno, but he's written a whole bunch of Star Wars books, but he was one half of Jack McKinney Oh, really? Who, alongside with Brian Daly, wrote all the Robotech books. I never knew that was a pseudonym. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, Jack McKinney was Brian Daly and uh, and Jim Luceno writing together. So, oh, when really? I started interviewing him for Star Wars stuff, I just wanted to talk about Robotech. <laughs> and so, we, we bonded over that and when I got when I got this gig, I tried to get him to come out of retirement, and write another Robotech short story, and he told me like, "I've only got one story left to write in Robotech, and it's not going to fit in a short story <laughs> um, nice. because he'd done so much of it." But
0: oh yeah, uh, all those books that I, as a kid I read the, all of those books, they were great. But he he really helped me figure out how they read
1: how they wrote those books, and that's kind of how I tried to approach it. Was he was like Harmony Gold just gave us videotapes of everything and we just kind of filled in the blanks and they were Mm -hmm. writing those books one a month yeah uh, as they were coming out which is absurd to me and i had a much smaller job than they did (laughs) although they probably got paid a lot more and there was a lot um but I, i went back and revisited the books for the robotech Book because i think there's a lot of material in there that people don't necessarily notice i don't know if you've been able to to read all the scenarios and the the back matter like the character sort of the, the the character stuff in the back on all the stories that are sort of first person from the characters in the universe but I, tried,
2: I haven't read them all yet but yeah
1: i tried to you know how like at the beginning of chapters in the robotech books it would be like three lines of a transcript from an interview f- with so-and-so. And I tried <laughs> to take those three lines in that interview and then blow it up to the whole interview um, so that you get some of these perspectives and, and expand on what Jim and, and Brian Daly had done in those, in those Robotech books. And really I found interesting ways that I think Robotech fans would dig. And then to be able to get to write like two short stories, um, one, during the Battle of Toronto, which is, I think, one of my favorite things, just in Robotech, is just the Battle <laughs> of Toronto and the destruction of it. And um, another one in the in the um, in the the later era with Rick, and just getting to put words in in Rick's mouth was just really fun. Another yeah. one that I I really loved doing was, um, I did Roy Foker's journals before the visitor landed before mm-hmm. the SDF one landed on, on Macross. Oh nice. And and just getting to do the journal entries of Roy Foker in his military days, in those last days of the military, and kind of what was going through his mind and that push pull between like the philosophy that Pop Hunter had tried to instill in him in that nonviolence versus like I'm trying to end the war sooner versus, hey, this stuff is going to be really cool. And then, you know, some stuff with Claudia in there too. It was just I love Roy Foker, and to get to put words like to, uh, you know, to ascribe words to him was some of the most, most fun. And, and one of the, like, I was just honored to be able to do it.
2: Yeah. It's cool to be able to play with your childhood toys like that. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. So, and I think you did a really good job with the, uh, some of the scenarios. I think I only read up the scenario two uh huh, and the back. And I think it's a, a it blends real nicely. And, uh, What I like about it the best as far as uh, role-playing is concerned is that you have the game mechanics and you have the scenarios, and the the scenarios meld really well with the game mechanics as to getting the players to kind of really play into the story of Robotech itself because it is such an in-depth world. Again, just like Battletech, we were talking about, you know, we're talking 1980s to 1970s worth of just stories and everything. It goes back, so it, uh, I really and, like that it really makes you immerse yourself into the Robotech world, the RPG does.
1: And I am i mean, I'm a game master, right? Like, I tried to approach all those stories about, like, I tried to, I, if you notice in the scenarios, it'll be, like, the actual sort of facts and timeline of the scenario. But then the, the game designer's notes about, like, hey, here's ways you could play this with your players. And yes. that's just, that that was 100% me just trying to pull back and say, what's the coolest way I would do this if I were sitting at the table to do it? And and so having to sit back and think about all that with Robotech was just so fun. And and like you said, there's so much of it there. I tried to pull in so much, not just from the books and the cartoons, but even like there's tons of Jack Archer from the, the GameCube and PlayStation uh, Robotech Battlecry video game. Mm-hmm. There's... <laughs> Stuff from the comics. Uh, I went through it like I, I pulled no punches in trying to, to make some deep cuts for people as best I could with, with what there was in the Robotech canon because there is a lot of it. And, uh, I really love it. So being able to pay, uh, honor to it and, and create a book that I, I, I hope is something that Robotech fans are going to want, even if they don't play role-playing games, because there's so much of that material in there that they would just love to reference.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think you did a very good job. So <laughs> for what that's worth. <laughs>
0: and introduce I'm, people to playing role play games too. Hopefully these, those, some of those people.
2: Yeah. Uh, so, um, actually I wanted to ask a question real quick. Is so, Back to when we started talking about uh, Battletech or anything, you you were a big Shadowrun fan?
1: Yeah, yeah. Again, like, my first love of Shadowrun came from uh, the Super Nintendo game, which yeah. is a theme through my life. But um played the role-playing game quite a bit my teen years. I played just about every role-playing game I could get my hands on when I was a teenager. And Shadowrun was one of those. And when I was going to these conventions a lot... um uh like one of the things that was really interesting was just that Catalyst was there and they had the Shadowrun license and they had the Battletech license and getting to know the guys there um it was it was just it it was just like really great happenstance that I'd I'd liked uh Shadowrun enough to go up and start talking to them and build a relationship and then Battletech came came from that. And I really I've fallen in love with BattleTech all over again.
0: And with the uh new sh- uh Shadowrun game coming out, will you be able to get is there going to be more fiction? You'll be able to get to play in that world too?
1: Um I there's a ton of Shadowrun fiction coming out whether I'm going to get to play in that or not, um is anybody's guess. Um I've got some some balls in the air with BattleTech to do some more stuff. <laughs> um so, and hopefully that'll keep me busy and I'm working on my own my own writing too. I've got some 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 irons in that fire as well, but um, I would love to write some Shadowrun in the future and but there's definitely more battle tech on the horizon, especially the more people uh, let catalyst know that they enjoyed Honors Gauntlet and maybe you know review it on Amazon or whatever, I know they're tracking all that stuff. so the more people uh, express enjoyment of what I've done, maybe the bigger slice of that uh, that pie I'll be able to, to chew off of.
2: there you go guys if you listen to this and you read the book uh, please leave a positive review yeah go on to amazon so we get more books yeah
1: no and they've got i gotta tell you like be really excited for the stuff coming up with um just the stuff coming up in the ill clan era it's it's got they've got some really cool surprises in store and i can't wait for people to I can't wait for people to dive in and I'm I'm really honored I got to play a small part in in helping kick that off.
0: And we definitely hope to see more of uh, Archer Pride cuz he's a great character and uh, it looks like he's going to have s- some stuff to do pretty soon so. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, no, it,
0: the uh he's definitely going to be busy, I hope. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Uh, with the robotech uh, any word if they're going to continue on the series because that's that first book is just the Macross saga right
1: yeah it is um you know i've heard that they're working on the rules for future installments um whether i'm working on it or not is sort of uh anybody's guess and whether the the license i know there's been some stuff with the license that i'm not really privy to that's been Mm -hmm. going on and i'm not sure if that's uh, altered anything but last i talked to those guys they were working on putting out a whole
0: bunch of stuff so yes so if we uh, get some more of the uh, eras for that too and they jump yeah, in there with your so sections
2: i'd like to see some i'd, I'd like, like to see like some cyclones,
0: cyclones. Yeah, yeah definitely no uh,
1: i i i know that there's there's plans in the works for stuff but i i'm not sure
0: how close they are to fruition yeah. or anything that's good that's good to hear though yeah and uh yeah so Andy, anything else you've been working on for your, You're saying you're writing your own books. What else, What have you? What kind of fiction do you write for yourself? Um,
1: so um, I've got I, I'm i working in some some sci fi horror stuff that uh I I've got an agent and he's out kind of shopping it around and hopefully hopefully it it goes some places. Um, I really like the idea of sci fi horror, so uh, and it seems you've got Alien and that's about it. And I think there's yeah. so many different ways to to take that on and and i've got some ideas and written some books and that should be interesting um as far as my my last published novel was a book called the aeronaut and it it was sort of a steampunk world war one book oh nice that's Um,
0: that's very interesting too i love steampunk
1: yeah no and and that was another one where it was like I had to go back and as I was researching real World War One I, I was like wait a second World War One was already pretty steampunk I've got to yeah, it turn was. this <laughs> up to eleven um,
0: <laughs> more dirigibles so that's all you need yeah no
1: there's definitely there's and and jetpacks that was yeah there you go <laughs> um, the aeronaut is a a guy in the French aeronautic corps and they've got jetpacks and their whole thing is they jump over the enemy lines nice uh, and it's Imagine if, if not to compare myself to these two, but like if Ernest Hemingway or Graham Green were like, I want to write a story and I want nerds today to read it, how would I approach that? And so it's sort of a blend of like how I imagine Hemingway would try to approach steampunk while he was working on a farewell to arms or something. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Go and check maybe that's that pretentious of me. I don't know, but it was fun. It was really fun to work on. Um a lot of my stuff is in the nerd space too. The first book I put out was um, – and it, it's still available. It's called Lost at the Con and it's it, – I mean like imagine um, Fear and Loathing at Dragon Con. It's really, it's really about a drunken political journalist in the, the Hunter S. Thompson sort of vein who gets assigned against his will to cover a, a sci-fi convention. Especially Dragon <laughs> and,
0: Con. That's uh,
2: that's, that's Con, one yeah.
1: of the
0: more dangerous ones. So. <laughs> that
2: could be, oh, be,
1: be overwhelming. It. <laughs> I love Dragon Con. I go to a lot of conventions every year, well, except for this year. Yeah. And uh Dragon Con might be my favorite. I mean, they're all my favorite in my heart, but Dragon Con, there's just something special
0: about it. It's it's, it's so bizarre. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's <laughs> unique. It's not like all the other it's, cons, that's for sure.
1: No, it's it's not at all. Like the others you 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 know, you'll you'll get a hotel, you'll go to the the conference center, and Dragon Con is just like it's
0: in your hotel. It's everywhere, yeah. The entire time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Con is
0: huge, yeah, definitely. Yeah, unfortunately, no Gen Con this year. We we always go to Gen Con, so uh, maybe next year we'll be able to hook up with him and, and talk yeah, in person. Yeah, I'll,
1: I'll be there. Um, I've been a guest the last couple of years for the Writer Symposium, and nice. so that was that was my big push over into Gen Con and, and – uh, well, this year I'll be signing some books at the Catalyst booth because nice. we'll have copies of Honor Scotland and stuff. And hopefully by next Gen Con, I've got another book out. Who knows?
2: Yeah. yeah. We have actually good, we actually have a good relationship with Catalyst. Uh, with some of our friends are uh, good friends with uh, – well, I forget his name. He does a lot of share on work, game development. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But a- we always uh, – because he lives over here in Chicago, where I live, so we, when our friend Brian comes in the town, we always kind of get together with him and play some Shadowrun games.
1: Yeah, they've got some good stuff going on there, and I'm really digging what they're doing with the with the universes with both of them, and mm-hmm. and uh, the Shadowrun RPG is just gorgeous. Yeah, um, the new book, um, and yeah, it's just I'm really glad that they're keeping with the fiction too, especially with BattleTech, and I I think. One of the things you're going to see with Battletech now is it's kind of going to revert to the way it used to be where the fiction would all come out and then all of the source material and the scenarios and stuff would come out of the fiction. Yeah, that's cool. And for a long time it kind of got turned around so it was like the fiction was trying to catch up to all the, the game material.
2: Uh, I would love um, it to go back to a little ways like that.
0: I think g I think that's what the. I think that's what the plan is. Nice. Yeah, that's that works so much better because then you get the background for it all. So it's not just stale stuff in a rule book. It's you get the what happened in in an actual story instead of just reading about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, Shattered Fortress is a really great um, resource book to kind of catch you up to the the wall falling uh, the uh, Fortress Republic stuff. Um, but I would have much rather read all that stuff. Mm-hmm then then just i, I would read it rat, like reading it in stories rather than the source book and i think that that's sort of the direction that they're taking which is why there's not any like stuff about the ill clan
0: right like where that's heading. Uh, yeah, oh, oh yeah, yeah yeah like you're gonna have to read that in the fiction first yeah and then the ill clan source book's gonna come out eventually that's great yeah
1: based on based on all the fiction
0: yeah uh, Cause yeah, it's like it's different. You're reading a history book and reading a fiction about the history. It's much you you get more into it when you're reading the fiction for sure. Yeah. So yeah, excited about that. Yeah, it's a it's a good time, especially with the Kickstarter soon to be delivering for the for the BattleTech. That's gonna push a lot more people, I think, into playing some more, and then they'll they'll be feeding into the fiction and all the source books after that for sure.
1: Well, and I hope the people who have contributed to the Kickstarter are really keeping an eye out on the fiction because there really is a um, a really big push to include the characters that came in through the, the Kickstarter in the book. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you this, like Archer Pride was one of those Kickstarter characters. Oh, was it? So
0: it was somebody's uh, name?
1: Uh, it was. like Well, it was, so I guess with the Kickstarter, they'd sent in sort of like dossiers about characters they wanted to see. Mm-hmm. And it was a change I had to make like three-fourths of the way through because they were like, hey, we've got this character who has a different name than the character you have as the lead in your book. Um, but the personalities match and we can't have any – we can't have too many Jade Falcons like this. Right yeah. <laughs> so would you, be okay, would you be OK changing the name? And, and I was fine with that. I mean I, I kind of like – there was some stuff in the book that I think would make more sense with the old name. Um, but I I had no problems. That's uh, cool. Changing it, and but, so that was just that was a Kickstarter. That was a kick. Somebody got to name him and yeah. and put him out, and I I haven't heard from this person. So if if you yeah, put in a little pride into the Kickstarter. <laughs> Um, I don't think like I can guarantee that they're not all going to get the starring treatment in a book. No, yeah, you know, a lot of them are going to be just side characters,
0: throwaway names or whatever. Well, it was like three thousand characters or something that people have to they have to find ways into books, so it's going to be a bunch.
1: (laughs) And it it, it was one of those two where it was just like, hey, we came across this, and it's literally the character you've already written. Can you just that's cool? Just
0: put it in. So it was nice serendipitous. It wasn't. Yeah, you weren't forced to do it. You just it happened to work out. Yeah,
2: yeah. congratulations kickstarter member who uh named archer pride
1: yeah yeah no, i'd love to hear from you because now um and it, now i keep hearing from people so many people they want to see more archer pride and, and yeah. that name was 100 not my fault
0: <laughs> it's not the name it's the character anyways it's uh it yeah. could have been any name but uh that character is really great like i said like i would never have liked any jade falcon before now but he made me <laughs> well, like I'm a jade to- falcon
1: do you want to know what his name was before and why it would have made more sense? Sure. Um, he was a Bailey, and his name was Diego. And yeah, me- was Diego. Yeah. With the mech named Toronard- Tornado.
0: And he does uh, like to speak Spanish
1: a lot in the book, too. So Yeah, so in my head, Archer Pride, in every iteration, regardless of what his name was, was basically just sort of Guy William Zorro. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of described him that way with a
0: thin mustache. and. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: And so uh, having it Diego and Toronado and then the Spanish, it all seemed to coalesce a little better. But Archer Pride, uh, you know, there's there's a really long history of the prides yeah. uh, in in the story in, in BattleTech
0: in general, and and I think people really loved and and uh, they do have a like a theme of being kind of rebellious too. The pride, so it's it's kind yeah. of it kind of fits. It, it worked
1: in 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 so many ways, just in the fiction that that I was really happy to change it. Yeah. I mean, but, so don't be surprised if Diego Bailey works his way into <laughs> another school <story laughs> somewhere
0: else, and I don't know what his deal is now anymore. But um, but also BattleTech, the ethnicity is like the names don't really mean anything towards ethnicity. You get tons of like Japanese yeah. characters who are African-American, well, African American or African, but yeah. uh, so it's 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 neat how that happens where it's it. Uh, it really doesn't matter what they're called. It's all about their how they act. and Yeah, I like how they, the superiors were kind of uh, annoyed that he he liked to use Spanish once in a while.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's it's again one of those things where like I wanted to do that not just because I wanted to, to kind of stretch the bounds of Battletech where so many of the books I write like really just um, – it didn't have a whole lot of diversity. And being able to put a character that 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 gave it at least a little bit of that flavor, yeah. was something that was really interesting to me, um, and and so so it, it made sense. They were like, "What? Well, why why does he do that?" And I'm like, "Well, he's this iconoclast. He's really interested in the people that you've conquered
0: in a way that Jade Falcons usually aren't." And they're like, oh, "Okay, that's fine." Like, and he's also much more intelligent than the average person. Like, he really thinks about things. He doesn't just follow blindly he 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 analyzes everything and like i say he likes to learn like he it's yeah you really bring that across right at the beginning in the book that that's his character that he 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 does that because he likes to learn things about the people he's conquering
1: yeah and and i hope that i hope that he gets a chance to conquer more people (laughs) (laughs) well maybe not even i don't know who knows well
0: hopefully he gets a chance to to uh we i think we got to vote for Archer Pride to be Ilcon now that's that's all that matters <laughs> I, I think there's probably some Jade Falcons who are <laughs> a little higher a up line in front of him
2: a, li- <laughs> yeah.
1: a little higher up but yeah <laughs> um but hopefully he figures into the plans in in the Jade Falcons whatever their next iteration is yeah for sure or whatever well, their next
2: step is i guess
0: yeah sure. yeah and t- i t- guess
2: t- i i i have to ask uh oh, Brian um, uh, yeah, totally kind of off subject here um book notwithstanding are you pro clan or anti-clan <laughs> in what way like as a fiction
1: reader i'm so pro clan i find their stories fascinating um but i'm kind of i mean like i guess it depends like i'm kind of i guess, of I guess
2: where i guess where i'm coming from i guess from a game standpoint
1: i mean they've got the they've got the best max
0: that's a, that's a noise, Pat, is that he thinks they're <laughs> overpowered.
1: That it, it, that was definitely um, a challenge as I was writing the battles in the books where they're like, hey, I get it. The clan mechs are better, but
0: have them put up more of a fight. Yeah, so you just you made go. them numbers. You, you made them fight much larger numbers.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, no, I mean, they, they have better mechs, but I think smarter commanders can can move around that easily enough, and we'll see how that all plays out. Um, But I wasn't really attached to the game before the clans showed up, but um, I would be happy to pass along your annoyance to Mike Stackpole.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I wouldn't call it just a a general annoyance. Just a general annoyance, I guess we could call it. It's not... uh, It doesn't take away from anything that uh, my enjoyment because I did enjoy the the clan stories, like you said.
0: Yeah. Uh, It's not the fiction that you're on offense, it's the gameplay. Because he he was around when it switched from... Before, like when he was there when the clan invasion happened, so he got beat up by the clans a lot. So I think he's harboring this, this yeah, deep down resentment. There's
2: a, there's a little little PTSD going on. I think.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, and it's funny. I see that with BattleTech fans a lot. I
1: mean, I, I do a lot of conventions with Mike, and I can't tell you just as many people show up to complain about like <laughs> core meltdowns as they do yeah. Star Wars stuff, or that he's not doing Star Wars. Like he gets as much BattleTech flack as he does. Like, <laughs> yeah. why
2: aren't you writing Star Wars still? No, that's too bad. I mean, I I do enjoy Mike's uh, Star Wars books too. So
1: me too. I would love to see him get back into that universe the way uh, Tim Zahn has been. I'm just oh,
2: right. I just
1: finished uh, his new Thrawn book, and it's just uh, I'm kissing my fingers. You can't see that on the on the <laughs> podcast. Uh,
2: uh, yeah, it's great. But, but on, a, on a, another side note, to kind of introduce you a more to our our, our audience. Uh, so it sounds like you're a pretty avid role-player game right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, the pandemic has kind of put a hamper in that. But, uh, yeah, no, I really love role-playing games, and I've, I've um, been playing for as long as I um, – let me see. Like, I started playing when I was, like, seven or eight when I got – like, it was Star Wars that did it, right? Like, I oh, yeah. walked the into a store. The West, West End Games, Star Wars? Games yeah but, like i walked into a game store it's the first time i ever walked into a game store and those books were in the the window and i was just like i told i like i can't leave without those like i was like <laughs> seven years old making demands of my parents and it must have been the most obnoxious <laughs> thing. and they're like we can't get those now and i'm like fine but you have to track those down and then that was my big christmas present that year and um yeah like i've been into rpgs ever since and Mm. Just really love them. Um, I'm playing a lot of uh, D&D 5e with my mm. with my son and his friends,
0: oh, That's cool. Uh, which
1: is interesting playing with a, a group of 18 of year old kids. Well, we've been playing since they were like, well, I've been playing with uh, my son's name is Anakin. Um, <laughs> I've been playing with Anakin since he was like eight and with a group of my peers and then him. And it was always really interesting because he would come up with the most like left field solutions to everything that rolls <laughs> so well that he would always get to do it. Um, that um, and then now as he's gotten older and his friends, like I DM for them, and and I've had some of the best games of my life playing with playing with him and 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 his friends. But sure. yeah, I just really love it. It's it's Absolutely. just a great storytelling thing. I've I've yeah. taught classes about how great. Uh, gaming is, especially game mastering and dungeon mastering, is for just learning how to construct a story, right? Mm-hmm. Like
2: oh, you have 100%. to do it
1: on the fly, and then you have to be thrown characters that you're not quite sure if you know what they're going to do. And I love, I love building the idea for a story and then throwing it at characters and then having me having them throw curveballs at me in ways I couldn't expect. And I think it's made my writing better in that it allows me to think a little bit more creatively about how characters can act in unexpected yeah.
0: ways. Yeah, you've seen it in, in your gameplay where you're like, well, I would have the character do this, but my, my players have done crazy things to me. Maybe I could try change it up a bit. And...
1: Yeah, and then throw a kid in there. Like, <laughs> who knows what you're going to get. There's oh. so many stories I had that were just torpedoed by him trying something <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. Or stories that never even started. Like, his thing was... When he started playing, when he was like – his first RPG we made sure was Star Wars, and I I played it so that I had one of my friends play a Jedi Master, and he was playing – my son was playing a Padawan to this Jedi Master, and they were on the run in Order 66. So the relationship on the table was very much Master and Apprentice as far as the game mechanics were concerned, but also in the game. And it worked really well, and he, he was super into it. And then his style of play could only be described as Drunken Dwarf. (laughs) <laughs> and so like he started playing drunken dwarves like as we moved into to D&D and stuff he was just he would just pick fights in taverns right like people would go into a tavern to talk to a contact and he'd start a fight and we'd spend the whole evening resolving <laughs> that fight rather than doing any of the story stuff just because he wanted to go bash his head against a waiter or something <laughs> <laughs> the chaos element oh yeah that's that's he's he's a much better player now and he's a much more fun and creative player now, but yeah, trying to compete—that's how you uh, learn.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, the imagination of a ten-year-old is or, yeah. uh, thirteen, or how? What you know, the the gamut of ages until he finally settled into being able to play a character consistently was was really fascinating
0: i'm sure we're all like that when we were young too starting out in rpgs i i I can imagine a few games early on where we're just terrible so
1: (laughs) no it's always fun though so many of those games i played i tried writing so many stories about them like one of like one of the biggest most like amazing games i ever played i swear i don't think i'll ever role play anything better than this i was probably 15 and we were playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Palladium <laughs> system. Yeah. And we were like, we we just got the new transdimensional book. I don't think it was new. I think it had been out for years, but it was new to us. Yeah, exactly. And we're like, okay, let's kill Hitler. And so <laughs> we spent an entire summer with a, a busted time watch trying to get to 1940s Germany to go kill Hitler. And it was, I, it was just the most amazing thing. Like a, as 15 year olds, it pushed us to learn a lot about like um, history because we wanted to create verisimilitude and, and figure out how all this stuff worked. And, and it was just great. It, it taught me so much about storytelling and it taught me so much about like history and, and, finding those stories in history it it served me well
0: in all of my writing ever since nice cool well i think uh we covered most stuff i think about you it uh it sounds great and we can't wait for the next BattleTech book we know that's coming out but also your other fiction and i'm gonna check out uh, aeronauts for sure that sounds really fun
1: yeah yeah no i uh the publisher went under, so it might not be available. But I think I'm going to put it out myself because mm. the publisher went under. But if you have a problem getting a hold of it, let me know, and I'll make sure you get a
0: copy. Yeah, that's because I've got boxes of copies. <laughs> no. And so uh, online, where can people find you? You're on Twitter. That's where you, we hooked yeah. up. Yeah. If you want to find me on Twitter, it's uh, at swankmotron,
1: uh, S-W-A-N-K-M-O-T-R-O-N. And that's my website, too, is is swankmotron. And I write about Star Wars mainly. at sci-fi slash film, starwars.com, Star Wars Insider. And uh, you can find Honor's Gauntlet, uh, Battletech Honor's Gauntlet, wherever books are sold. I Mm -hmm. I would put in a bid... I know you can get it on Amazon that would probably be faster and I know you want to read it quickly, but during this pandemic, your local indie bookshop probably needs the help. Yeah. Oh, so sure. consider snagging it. Uh, I don't think that the cost increase is negligible. It's already a pretty, pretty cheap date as far as a book goes. Um, consider snagging it from your local indie bookshop seller. Cool.
2: Well, and, we, uh, Personal projects you want to give
1: a shout out to? Oh, um if you have enjoyed listening to me wax philosophical about Robotech and BattleTech, um I do host a Star Wars podcast weekly called Full of Sith. Mm-hmm. And uh it's a lot of fun. The last episode we did was an interview with Alex segura who wrote the new Poe Dameron Freefall uh cool. book. So, yeah, nice. fullofsith.com.
2: Nice. I see a picture here with you and Terry Fisher on a couch.
1: Yeah, I got to interview her at a, co- a convention just before uh, – the year before Force Awakens came out. That was the most uh, intense and stressful situation of my life, especially <laughs> yeah, <imagine>. immediately, <laughs> immediately off the rails. Um, wow. it, That's it was cool like an, that
2: there's a great picture of you two on this couch.
1: Yeah, I think the, the video online too. Like you could watch the whole thing, but it, it, it was just – it was nerve wracking in, in a number of senses. The first sense was that it was off and on repeatedly, right? <laughs> Where it was like, she wanted to do it, but Lucasfilm was like, no. And then is she doing it? Is she not doing it? And so the, the day before the convention started, they were like, she's not doing a panel. It's like, mm-hmm. okay. Then like the Saturday morning of the convention, they're like, she is doing a panel. We need you to host it. <laughs> uh, and I'm it like, was like, really like I prepared for this, but like, you told me two days ago that it wasn't <laughs> happening. They're like, well, it is now. So I go back, uh, I go back backstage. We're getting ready. She's kind of late. She finally shows up and she's got Gary Fisher, her dog with her.
0: <laughs>
1: and I go up to introduce her. And I mean, this is, I mean, like it's princess Leia. Um, and I go, Hey, my name is Brian Young. I'm going to be interviewing you. I'm going to be asking the question. Like, that's all fine. And then she turns around. And she goes one second. She, she looks down at Gary and she goes, Gary, you're gonna stay here. We're going up there, but you're staying here. And then she turns back to me and she goes, "Do you have a diet coke? Is, does anybody have a diet coke around here?" And I'm just like, "I'm the the moderator. I'm not. I don't have a diet coke." And I <laughs> go, and go, "Hey, can we get can we get Miss Fisher here a, a diet coke?" And people start running around scrambling to find <laughs> her diet coke. But the time for the panel, the time for the panel happens. And we have to go up, and she still doesn't have a Diet Coke. So we get up on stage, and just as – like, we introduce her. They hand us the mics. They put the couch out there. And just as I'm about to take a breath to, to start, she gets onto her mic first and goes, Does anybody here in the audience have a Diet Coke? <laughs> and some guy raises up a, a, a sealed can of Diet Coke, and she's like, Get up here. And she leans down, takes the Coke, and then open mouth kisses this guy. <laughs> And yeah. I'm like, okay, I've I've clearly lost control here. Like, there's no,
0: <laughs> <laughs> It's not even started <laughs> and you already <laughs> lost control?
1: <laughs> yeah. And and like every time I asked her a question, I asked her, I was super fast. I can't find any interviews where she talked about the work she did rewriting the prequels yeah. or doing polish work on the prequels. And I was trying to ask her about that, about other writing that she'd done with George Lucas, and she just turns it hard right into taking <laughs> Indiana Jones's virginity. So... <laughs> Which is a real thing. She wrote episodes of the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, and she was referring to the episode with Mata Hari, where she actually wrote Indy losing his virginity. And it was just like I, I was kind of prepared for this, but not really. Like there's no – there was she was just a force of nature. And we were on stage for something like 17 minutes, and it was 17 of the most chaotic, wonderful minutes of my life. Yeah, it's something you'll never forget at the
0: very least. No, no, it's not. That's awesome. Cool. So you can uh, check out your. Is that on the podcast page or is that,
2: uh, um, on you it's can find that personal up. page? Actually, is personal. Yeah. Yeah. 20%. If you look up,
1: if you look up, um, if if you look up uh, my name and Carrie Fisher, you'll find the video of all of that. And nice. And uh, yeah, it's. I haven't been able to go back and rewatch it because I'm convinced I totally screwed it up. <laughs> but I'm told it's enjoyable.
0: Uh, it's it's you, Your memories will be better for it anyways.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, like, I can't even begin to describe what it's like to be sitting on a couch and having Princess Leia's attention. You know that, that <laughs> the close-ups of her in Empire where she's, like, longingly staring into Han Solo? That's just what she looks like. <laughs> and when <laughs> it's aimed
0: at you, you kind of turn a little bit to jelly.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. No do- joke. No doubt. Yeah. But well,
0: thank you, Brian, for being on the show. It's uh, it's been really enjoyable. We thought it this would be a short one, but uh, we we talked for a while. It was great.
1: Yeah. No. Thanks for having me. And and yeah. next time I've got something out, I'd be more than happy
0: to come back. So yeah. For you're sure. You're yeah.
2: welcome. anytime you want to come on, Brian. Yeah. Next next book it's for been, sure. Been we a, gotta hear for us. it's been a real pleasure. Okay. Thank you, guys. Well, thank you. Uh, check out in your honor, right? Gaunt, uh, uh, Honors uh, Gauntlet. Honor's gone, I'm sorry. And uh, play some Robotech scenarios. (laughs) Yes.
0: (laughs) Cool. Well, this has been Mobile Armor Radio, and uh, we'll be back for a regular episode at the beginning of next month. Thank you for listening. I've been Rob. I've been Chopper. Thanks for having me. Goodbye, everybody. This has been Mobile Armor Radio. Join our Facebook group, by searching for Mobile Armor Radio. Find us on Twitter at M Armor radio. Find us on iTunes and visit our website, mobilearmorradio.podbean.com. Join us on the first of every month for more mecha discussion.